right. Um, we're going to have our seniors, all the seniors that are here, if you'd come on up tonight. And um, we've got uh, one that couldn't make it tonight, but I think we've got everyone else here. Alex, if you go ahead and grab that box for me, if you would, right there on that chair. And um, they're going to share just brief testimonies. These are uh, the ones who are graduating out of high school this year. And, uh, and so uh, we're excited about that. <laughs> they didn't get it. They're not listening. They're too worried back there about what they're going to say. Um, but no, we, we're going to miss them in the youth group. And um, they, the, this is the first class, really. Uh, not all these girls were here. We've got a couple add-ons, which we're thankful for. But uh, this is the first class of teens that I've seen 7th through 12th grade come through. And, uh, and so that's been exciting. Um, but we've got Sarah and Katie have added on in between, and we've loved having them in the youth group. And so they're going to share just tonight uh, what the Lord's been doing in their life, uh, just a brief testimony about what, they're gonna, what their plans are here in the near future. So you kind of uh, hear what uh, God's got there for them. And, um, and so we're going to go ahead and start with that. We're going to do the youngest to the oldest, I think. Is that how you line it up back there? All right, so if you would come on up, and uh, they'll go ahead and use the, the pole. Hi, for those of you who may not know, my name is Sarah Pierce. First of all, I'd like to thank some people who have had an influence in my life. I'd like to thank my parents, who've always been there for me and have taught me so many things through the years and have always taken me to church and have given me so many opportunities to learn and grow as a person. I'm thankful for you guys, and I love you both so much. I'd also like to thank my siblings, especially Becky, who's always driving us everywhere and is watching out for Josh and me. And a big thank you to Mr. and Mrs. Cavanaugh, who do so much for the youth group and really care about us and encourage us to do what's right. I appreciate you both. And also, Miss Mindy and the Greens, um, you all have been a blessing to me, and I really appreciate all you guys have done and still do for the teens. I'd also like to thank Pastor Mrs. O'Donnell. You both are always there for the teens in the youth group, and I appreciate you both very much. Lastly, I'd like to thank my friends who have always been there for me. Some of you have been my really close friends the past couple years, and I'm thankful for you all. The past two and a half years have been great. I've enjoyed all the activities, and I've learned so much from all the conferences and camps and youth rallies. As for future plans, I will be attending college and studying diagnostic medical sonography. I'm thankful to God for everything he's done, and I'm excited for the future and moving on to a new stage in life. Thank you. I'm only one without a paper, so this is going to be a little rough. Um, I just want to thank, obviously, and I want to thank the Kavanaugh's for all the time that they sacrificed. I know, I don't know if it's been every year of camp, but they had their anniversary at camp. And so, and this year, Mrs. didn't go. And so, it's just really sweet of them to be able to do that too. Like, you know, it's their anniversary to come with us. And um, I want to thank the Greens. Even though they're no longer working with the teens, still, they definitely invested when I was younger in the youth group. It was really sweet. And Miss Mindy and uh, Mr. Myers, he's been helping out with the teens a lot lately too. And Mr. James, <laughs> well, when I was younger, he drove the bus. Sorry if this is rough. Um, and one of the decisions that I didn't announce tonight, um, I'm going to Providence Baptist College this fall. And um, thank you. I know that some of you guys may not recognize me. Some of you, I might just see a vaguely familiar face. 
Um, but my name is Katie McKinney, and like Mr. Cavanaugh just kind of said, our family has been attending this church for a little bit over a year, and we've been members for a little bit under a year. Um, and I know that it's probably a shock for many of you guys to see me standing up here, and I'm not 12 years old, in case. <laughs> in case you're wondering, I'm actually 18 with the personality of a 25-year-old mixed with a chihuahua. It's a fun time. Um, <laughs> so I wanted to go ahead and say thank you guys so much for the opportunities that I've been presented here. I'm so thankful for the opportunities that I've had to serve here, and that means that I've also had an opportunity to learn and to grow through all of that. Um, I'll go ahead and get the boring stuff out of the way first and kind of talk about where I am now and then what my future plans are. I've worked at Jillian Customer Care, Jillian Fabric Customer Care, for almost a month now, and I actually really enjoy my job. Um, and so the main thing that I've kind of learned to realize from my job is that having money is nice, which is basically the only reason why I have a job. Um, so that kind of leads into the whole future plan thing. Um, so I'm saving money for a car, and then I'm hoping that next fall I will be able to go ahead and go to college. Um, I'm not sure exactly what I'm going to study thus far, if I'm going to try to pursue a more ministry-based career or conti continue my education in music, or maybe something entirely different. I've always lived my life and I've wanted to be like the normal person, basically, <laughs> like the person that fits into the mold and has all of the right answers for all of the perfect, perfect questions that people ask. But nothing in my life has ever been that simple. And so I don't think that moving forward, anything else really will be. And so instead of spending time worrying about having my life together, I've been focusing on having time together with God every single day and being in the center of uh, his will for me each and every single day. Um, I told myself that I wasn't going to preach, but it doesn't count if I didn't write the verses down. Um, one of my favorite passages in Psalms, it says, um, I will trust the Lord. I said unto thee, thou art my God. My times are in thy hand. And that's just one of the verses that I've always clung to because it's so easy to feel like, you know, life's on pause sometimes when really God wants me to be here for an exact reason. And I know as well that even if I do con continue to be here and to pursue a secondary degree, there are so many things that I can work for, work on in ministry, in the way that I present myself, in music, so many things that I've improved on even in the past year. And so I know that God is still um, forming me into a useful tool that he can use, and it doesn't take Bible college for that to happen. Um, so those are basically what my future plans are. Um, I do really want to say thank you, and I kind of already did, but to each and every one of you, it is such a positive experience that I've had in the church. And it's not because of the building, it's not because of the activities that are offered or the wide selection of Sunday school classes. It's because when you walk through the doors, you can feel the Holy Spirit. It's palpable. It's on each and every single face. And that is what makes this church so unique. And this is the thing that made my relationship with God come alive. I got saved at a young age, but I can say for the past couple of years, it was always just going through the motions and looking like the perfect Christian on the outside. But that didn't mean that I was a perfect Christian on the inside. And so that's one of the things that I've just improved so much. And it's because of all of you, basically. 
and just seeing that and thinking, I want to strive to be towards that. I want to be the teenager, the young adult, the adult that people look up to and they say, what she has is real. You know, it's not any of the other false religions that the world share or that they project. It can only be Christ. Um, and so that was basically all I had to say. Thank you all so much. Okay, so I'm Hannah, if you don't know. And first off, you're probably thinking, why does she have blue hair? It was supposed to wash out in one wash, but it did not. So, um, I'm not going crazy, so just let you know. Um, I want to start off with thanking everybody, um, the whole church, for this amazing church, and for all of you who are just like family. And I just want to thank Mr. Niger, especially, he's here tonight, um, for all he has done for me and all the support he's given me, and um, just for him and uh, helping me reach my goals in my teen years for Walkathon and everything else. Um, I just want to thank uh, Mrs. Cook and Mr. Cook. He's not here tonight, but um, I just want to thank her for teaching me in class a long time ago and for teaching me now as I go to some jobs with her sometimes. So um, I just love her. And uh, I just want to um, thank Mr. Holly. He's not here tonight, but um, I just want to thank him for just for sponsoring me for the Walkathon, and for all of you who sponsored me for the Walkathon as well. You really helped me a lot. I've got to go on lots of missions trips and camps and conferences, and it's just been a blessing to me. And I just want to thank Morgan for um, being such an encouragement to us and our whole quartet with teaching us how to sing and making sure we sound good. <laughs> uh, so, And I just want to thank Miss Jen uh, for uh, teaching me music, for um, all the piano stuff that she teaches me, and just for the encouragement um, that she is to me. And I want to thank Pastor and Miss Sherry for everything that they do and just for Miss Sherry being a great godly example for um, all of us girls to look up to. And um, I just want to thank the Kavanaugh's um, for all the encouragement that they give us, whether it's spiritual encouragement or just physical, like, go play this game, like, you'll be fine, it'll be good. Uh, so, uh, and um, I just want to, Thank uh, them for just giving us confidence to tell us that we can do this. Like, we can go and sing this song, or we can go play this song, or anything. Um, and I just want to thank my parents. They are truly the best. If you don't know them, they are the best. So um, I just want to thank them for all their support and just for being there and um, never giving up on us. And I know that lots of the teens can say that they never have given up on them. And... Um, as for uh, future plans, I am just going to be getting a job very soon and just saving up for a car. And um, I'm still thinking about college. I'm not sure if I'm going to be going, so um, I'm just asking you guys to help me with that. And I just want to thank all the teens for all the crazy times we've had. It's, it's been crazy. <laughs> but um, also for uh, all the serious conversations and all the serious times we've had. And um, so I'm just going to go where God leads right now, and that's all. Thank you. So I just wanted to start by thanking the church, and I'm sorry about my voice. I scream too loud at camp sometimes, and it's gone. Okay. <laughs> um, thank you for everybody that sponsored me for the walkathon and allowed me to go on so many life-changing activities. Um, without your support, I wouldn't have been able to go to trips like Mexico and to camp and conference. 
Um, and thank you for all the prayers you've given me for all, um, throughout my teen years, because that really makes a difference. Um, thank you to my amazing parents for supporting me and loving me, no matter how stupid I am or all the times that I mess up. Um, I also want to thank Morgan for teaching us how to sing, because without her, we, we would not be very good. And um, thank you for even for not letting um, for not giving up us giving up on us even when we have practices where we don't even sing we just talk. <laughs> I also wanted to thank Miss um, Mindy for making sure that every teen is always present. We're, she always is counting us. She makes sure that we're never gone. We're always there, <laughs> always, constantly. But it's the best. Um, I want to thank the Greens for all they've done for us and um, loving all the teens constantly, and especially for Mrs. Green for um, leading me to the Lord my very first year at camp. <laughs> and I also want to thank um, Pastor for all the leadership and the guidance he's given me, and um, for Miss Sherry for teaching me how to be a lady and uh, how to have tea parties, even though I'm still working on it, and one day I'm going to be as cool as her. And I want to thank all the teams for making every event just so exciting and um, crazy and kind of weird sometimes. I also want to thank Faith up there for being my biggest role model. So all the things that I do, you can blame it on Faith. <laughs> so thank you for all the memories that involve John Cena dolls and being boozled and learning how to spell our middle names. Jeez. And falling down mountains and asking really stupid questions. The really stupid questions sometimes and running like a penguin and throwing up apple cider just at every harvest party. And those memories are just ones that we'll, um, I'll remember forever. And thank you to Mrs. Cavanaugh for always giving the best advice and always understanding me when I'm complaining and she always yells at me <laughs> for being stupid. <clears throat> and last thing I want to thank um, Mr. Cavanaugh. I wasn't going to cry, but now I am. <clears throat> for just teaching me about everything and being one of my um, biggest supporters, um, even though he always death stares me and, and he knows that <laughs> whatever I'm doing wrong, his eyes, like, they see into my soul sometimes, I think, <laughs> and it's really scary. I don't know how he does it. So I can't um, explain how grateful I am for everybody, and I just love you guys all so much, and the youth group has prepared me so much for my, um, my future. I am, um, I'll be going to Golden State Baptist College in Santa Clara, California, uh, next month to get an associate's degree in church ministry. So I'll be for two years and then I'll be back home. So it's going to be awesome. So thank you guys so much. Come here, girls. All right. I've, we've got, um, for the girls this year, we, every year we do something a little different or, you know, sometimes they, they run together. But this year we've got um, Bibles for the girls. And uh, this is... Mrs. Cavanaugh and I, whenever anyone asks about a, a study Bible, this is the one that we recommend. And um, it's, it's just a wonderful Bible to have in your collection. I hope you have a collection of Bibles. But um, this is a, a life application study Bible. And um, it's just very, very practical in its help. And, um, and as you're going through and just learning the little nuances through the Word of God, and um, I trust that you girls wear, will wear these Bibles out. And uh, no matter... Um, the influence you've had to this point. It just built a foundation and set you on a, a direction, a path where you can let God use you, where he can influence your life. But uh, as you heard some of those teenagers say, um, if, if you don't walk with God, you won't be blessed. You won't have his protection. And, uh, and I can hand you an a life application study Bible, but really the work comes down to you to apply God's word to your heart. 
And, uh, and so uh, we've got these Bibles here. So Sarah, if you'd come on up. And uh, you got a Bible. Just come on up, girls. Shelby, Hannah, Katie. Um, you can walk on over here. And um, all right. And um, there, it, it is an amazing privilege. And I, I want to say this, and we're going to get to some preaching here in just a moment. A couple of the boys, but it's an amazing privilege to get to influence um, the young people of our church just a little bit. Um, and they may thank me, you know, and they may look at me and say, you know, I've been such a big part of their life. Um, but I can tell you right now that, uh, first of all, that I would be, you know, I'm nothing without God. And, uh, and I know that where I was as a young person um, was because somebody pushed me in a direction towards the Lord. And my love for your young people is very deep because I know how somebody loved me and pushed me towards the Lord. And, um, and so, you know, what we've done with the young people here is just giving back. A small portion of what somebody has given to us and that's the whole purpose of these second timothy 2 2 nights the things that thou hast heard of me the same commit thou to faithful men who'll be able to teach others also and so young ladies you may not be pre well you may try to be preachers <laughs> you're not preachers <laughs> but fulfill what god has for your life the plan that he has for your life and give back what he's so graciously given to you don't be stingy with it serve the lord with your life all right so let's give these girls a round of applause. Congratulations on graduating from high school. I'm going to have the quartet come on up, girls, if you would come on up at this time. And um, we're going to have them sing. And if you could hustle up. And then if I could have Alex and Isaac come on up. You can have a seat over here. And um, Alex, stay out of pastor's chair. It's always going right for pastor's chair. But um, we'll have the girls' uh, quartet sing. And, um, and then... We're going to have a couple messages from the boys tonight.
tonight. Um, we're going to have a little preaching. I'm going to have a word of prayer, and then these guys are going to come up run after the other. Isaac's going to go first, then Alex will preach, and um, I trust you open your hearts. And uh, the Lord is good to us, isn't he? God is good. And uh, we've got to stop. We've got to think about that, reflect on it. Think about what he's done in our lives, how he's worked in our lives, how long-suffering he's been in our lives, how gracious he is to us every single morning, how often we fail, and he lets us get back up. He sets our feet upon a rock. He establishes our going time and time again. And uh, it's awesome to see this young uh, group of people loving the Lord the way that they do. And yes, they fail. They make mistakes the same that you and I make. And uh, they get back up and they continue. The young people you saw standing up here make up a, a large portion of the soul winners who come out on Sunday, uh, Saturdays. A large portion of our bus ministry. A large portion of our Sunday schools. And they serve the Lord in so many different capacities of this church. And uh, they do it most of the time with a joyful heart. And, uh, and uh, you know, just the same as the rest of us. There's those mornings we wake up, it's like, oh, Lord, you know, I'd rather just sleep today. And, uh, but, you know, they, they just get it in gear and they do it. And so uh, we, we are truly blessed. I'm going to have Isaac uh, come preach first. We're going to have a word of prayer for these guys, and we'll get into the messages. Get out your, uh, your Bibles, if you would. Get out a notepad. Just by chance that the Holy Spirit of God will come down and speak with us tonight, all right? That's what we're wanting. It's not about these young men tonight. It's about the Word of God and the Holy Spirit. Father, would you pray that you would work in our hearts and our lives tonight? Lord, I pray that you help these young men to not say anything that they shouldn't, that you would um, control their, their thoughts and their tongues, and Lord, that the Holy Spirit of God be able to work through them. May they be empty vessels fit for the Master's use. And Lord, I pray that you would uh, help us to have ears to hear tonight, Lord, that we wouldn't look at a young man or despise youth this evening, uh, but that we would receive the word gladly as it's preached. And uh, Lord, I pray that you would bless the hearing of your word tonight. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, if you have your Bibles, please turn to Ephesians 2. <clears throat> Ephesians 2, 20 through 23. I have to ask, am I allowed to tell a joke? Oh, okay. Not allowed. All right. Strictly business, and I'm fine with that. Still the Bible, so I'm probably still going to make you laugh anyway. I look ridiculous. All right, I'm going to be preaching a sermon that I've entitled The Cornerstone and the Creation. The Cornerstone and the Creation. It says in verse 20, it's talking about Christians that have come in the past. If you read about Ephesians in any of the chapters, it talks about the very beginning point of salvation to the end point of death. Paul writes to the Ephesians and says, And are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth, unto a holy temple in the Lord, in whom ye also are builded together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. I want to specifically just look at the end of verse 20 says, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. It doesn't say me and Jesus. It doesn't say the church in Jesus. It doesn't say everybody in Jesus. It doesn't say the select in Jesus of the chief cornerstone. He is the chief cornerstone. Now, cornerstones aren't something that we use nowadays. There are foundations that have been set. There has been concrete that has been put down before you build a building. But in those days... In order to keep your house stable, in order to keep your house firmly grounded, in order to kind of show off your house, you would have cornerstones. 
Now you have four of them, one for each corner, unless you're the weird guy with the triangle, then you'd have three. Now you put one in each corner, one, two, three, four, and this would keep your house steady. This would keep your house safe, this would keep your house secure. You would build with all the wood, with all the hay, with all the bricks, whatever you could get your hands on sometimes. And you would build on top of those cornerstones. Sometimes they would be buried, but most of the time they want to show them off. It was kind of that thing that you would try to put any gems or anything shiny. You just want to show it off. That's your cornerstone. That's holding up my house. That's holding up my house. You want to make it look fancy. You want to make it look presentable. So when people say, hey, those are John's cornerstones. They look good. So what's the difference between a cornerstone and a regular stone? You don't go to the cornerstone to buy a stone that's not a cornerstone. It's a cornerstone. The difference between a cornerstone and a stone is that sometimes stones, they had a facade. They were, I guess, hollow. Like you go over to some of these pillars, you knock on them, they're not hollow. You go to some of these walls, they're not hollow. You go over to these little columns over there, you knock on them, it sounds like a drum. Because they're hollow. They look awesome, I love them. But some of them are hollow. They're not going to withstand a wrecking ball. Some of these walls are able to hold up against that. But the thing about a cornerstone is, it can endure the weather. The thing about the cornerstones is, it can endure sin. The chief cornerstone has that power. The chief cornerstone gave us that power so that we can be in the similitude of cornerstones. How do you serve in your church is what I want to ask you today. It talks about the foundations of the apostles and prophets, the foundations of the youth group of the seniors that are moving on, the foundations inside the church. Who do we look up to? Who are you talking to? This is specifically to the younger generation that who are you talking to that has more wisdom than you in the church? If you're struggling with something, do you turn to Mr. Kavanaugh and say, hey, I'm struggling with this. I need help in this area. Can you help me? Do I turn to Brother Jurgen and say, hey, I'm struggling in this area. How do I soul win better? Do I turn to Mr. Meyer and say, hey, I'm struggling with kindness. I'm struggling with love. I'm struggling to show people that I actually care. Can you help me with this? Can you show me a verse? Can you encourage me? Can you pray with me? They have set the foundation, and most of the time we neglect it. And most of the time we say, hey, I'm just going to go build my own thing over here. The foundation was laid. We just built on top of that. How do you serve in your church? When I think of a church, I think of the cornerstones, Jesus Christ, and then I think of a block on top of block, on top of block, on top of block, on top of block, continually building, continually building, and continually building. It's not stopping. Churches were never meant to stop. They're never meant to reach their high point, their peak, and then just kind of stop and just simmer down. They were meant to grow and get higher and higher and higher and grow closer to God, closer to that cornerstone. They were never meant to just stop and sit there. If I think of the game Jenga, where you just build in this tower, and you put three down, 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 the goal is to push out as many blocks as you can without the entire thing collapsing. And Satan sees the church like Jenga. He says, I think I can tempt this pastor today. I'm just going to give him a little nudge over here on the side. Just see what he does. I'm going to give him a little nudge. I'm going to go over to that young teenager who just made that decision. I'm going to go over to him and just give him a little nudge. I'm going to go over to that faithful youth pastor and I'm going to say, hey, it's going to give him a little nudge, a little nudge temptation, a little nudge of false doctrine. And you know what? Eventually, 
not guaranteed, but eventually somebody in a crowd this size, I'm assuming somebody's going to fall. And whether they completely leave the church, they may. And suddenly we have all these blocks and suddenly there's a piece missing. And then that little piece sets the entire thing off kilter. The entire thing is in danger of falling because one person was removed from the puzzle. Somebody else sees that. You know, I was at a conference and one of the preacher boys was talking, hey, there was a young girl in my, in my youth group and he was convicted. He was, scat- he was sad. He said, one girl was in my youth group and she left. And you know what happened? Six other guys left because she left. And then two more girls left because she left. And now I'm the only guy in my youth group because one person left. Because, our, because of our youth pastor left, there are no more teenagers in the youth group. Because our pastor just gave in to temptation for that one day, that one night, pieces start falling. And if we're not careful, Satan will win and just push that last little piece to its extent. And it will fall because it was never prepared by the cornerstones. It was never built upon the cornerstones. It was never built upon the rock. And the entire puzzle... And then whenever somebody drives past Community Baptist Temple, that was the place that used to be the Carousel Dinner Theater. Then it became a church. And that church crumbled. Who is, who is in it now? I don't know. It's probably abandoned. That can be the fate of this church, or it can be, like in verse 21, in whom all building fitly framed together. It can say that when Satan tries to push you, you are so squished in together that as soon as he pushes one of you, he pushes all of you. When he pushes you, he pushes God. And you say, hey, he's stronger than you. God is not strong. Satan is not stronger than God. He cannot push the foundation, but he can push the blocks. He's not going to move the hardwood surface underneath the Jenga blocks. God is stronger than that. And we need to be as close to him as possible so we will not be moved and we will not be pushed out. Turn your Bibles, if you have them, to Psalms 144.12. Psalms 144.12. Psalms 144.12. That our sons may be as plants grown up in their youth. That our daughters may be as cornerstones, polished after the similitude of a palace. Talked about the beauty of of cornerstones. We're supposed to be polished. We're supposed to be growing. We're supposed to be adding more people. We're supposed to be going out soul winning and adding that next tier, that next level. We're supposed to be in the similitude of the chief cornerstone. What Lucifer did not get and what he did not understand is that he wanted to be the chief cornerstone. We are the similitude. We were never intended to be God. We were never intended to be worshipped. We were intended to worship We are not the chief. We are merely the servants. We are the creation of the chief cornerstone. So I want to encourage you, do not fall. How close are you to the cornerstone, the great cornerstone? Are you fitly framed? Are we growing as a tabernacle for the habitation of the Lord? What is the house of God? I am the temple. You are the temple. If you're a Christian, you are holding God. How fitly framed are you to the God that's inside of you? He could be in you, and you could be farther away from him than most Christians have ever been. You could be a mile away from God, and he could be inside you. That's a scary thought. 
But in one instant, if my people will repent of their sin and turn away, then I will forgive them. I know I'm rephrasing that verse, but it's really easy to get back to God with a humble heart. You say, before in closing, how do I get close to God? How do I stay close? Seek him. It's reading about King Asa, and he was one of the kings of Judah that did something really well. He did something right. I was reading about King Asa, and he said, the Bible says that he had a perfect heart. No longer a lot of people were esteemed of a perfect heart. Job was esteemed of a perfect heart, and so was King Asa. Now, King Asa did some things later in his kinghood that it gave him a bad title. But whenever they looked at a new king, they said, you are following your fathers like King Asa. Why was he so fitly framed to God? Because he sought him. Because he woke up at 6.30 in the morning before he had to start his day at 7 and said, I'm going to read your word. I'm going to pray to you. Before the sun goes up, I'm going to be up so I can talk to you. Seek the Lord. Be fitly framed. Otherwise, when Satan does get his little finger and pokes at you, you will fall. And it's not just going to be you. It could be devastating to the church as we know it. All right, thank you. Proverbs 13.4. Proverbs 13.4. I, uh, I got my message on my phone today because I didn't get it printed out, so bear with me on that. I'd like to thank the girls quartet. I, uh, I remember as a seventh grader coming into the youth group as just a bus kid and going to RTTC, uh, not having a single clue what was going on. And I remember sitting in the front row and uh, listening to the girls sing that song they just sang and uh, just seeing their testimony uh, through that song and just how God was able to speak uh, really helped me to where I am today and uh, being in the church today. But Proverbs 13.4 says, The soul of the sluggard desireth and hath nothing, but the soul of the diligent shall be made fat. Today I'm going to be preaching on the sluggard. The word sluggard appears four times in the Bible, all inside of the book of Proverbs. And uh, when studying out the word sluggard with uh, those four verses, I came to a definition uh, that I've, made which is habitually slothful being somebody that's habitually being slothful or lazy and that's what i'm going to be talking about today so i'm going to get right into it here uh, my first point is the sluggard has low expectations now so often we can go on throughout our christian lives and have low expectations we we set ourselves so Low, and God has higher expectations for us than what we set today. We can set our expectations to maybe just reading our Bible one time a week, but God has higher expectations for that. We can set our expectations to, I'm going to soul win, but I'm not going to come to Saturday soul winning, of course. And we set these low expectations. But in reality, God has a high expectation for us because he told us to walk in the steps of his son, Jesus Christ. Those are some pretty high expectations. And in order to meet those, we can't have low expectations in our life, but because we can be a sluggard, we can be lazy, and we say, ah, it's a little too much. It's a little too much, this uh, IFB, Independent Fundamental Baptist life. It it can be a little too hard, but it's really not if you just walk in the word and just let God speak to you, and you can leave that sluggard life. You, 
if you don't walk around lazy, if you discipline yourself. Number one, the sluggard has low expectations, but number two, the sluggard lacks earnestness. Earnestness simply means eagerness, uh, desire. And the sluggard is, he, he lacks his earnestness because, let's see here, I'm real, like I keep peeking down here at this guy and it's just, the words are so tiny. Pastor, you know what I mean? The clock over there, I don't know. You gotta, you gotta, I need the big words, not the big clock, I need the big words here. <laughs> but uh, let's see where we're at. Lacks earnestness. All righty. So we can wake up in the morning, and I said we can have low expectations, but let's say we have expectations for ourselves. So we set our expectations high, but now we lack the earnestness, the eagerness to do so. We say, okay, yeah, I, I just got out of a Sunday night service, came down to the altar, got some things right, and I'm excited, and I'm excited. But then we can lack that eagerness. And I could even uh, preach on myself here as where, you know, there's been extra services throughout the year on maybe a Monday or a Tuesday. And I've just really lacked that earnestness to come in. I haven't been that eager. That's what the sluggard's going to do. And we've all been there before. We've all said, "Ah, I don't think I'm going to make it. And that's really lacking that earnestness. Number one, the sluggard has low expectations. Number two, the sluggard lacks earnestness. Finally, in closing, the sluggard always loses eternity with God. See, so often, we, uh, as a sluggard, you, you go and you say, I, I'm, you're lazy, and you say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put it off. I'm going to put off that day of salvation today. I'm, I'm just going to put it away. I'm not going to deal with that. Let me say, if you go through life putting that off, loving a sluggard life, because you don't have to be saved to be a sluggard. You can be a sluggard when you're still not saved. The Bible doesn't say only the saved is a sluggard. You can still be a sluggard and be unsaved. You're going to put that off. In a basketball game or a football game, you can be there before the game, and you're going to say, I know that team is going to win right there. I know they're going to win. But sometimes it comes down to that last second. And maybe a team late to come back at the end. And you say, oh my goodness, I mean, Vegas had them all the way up and they still lost. Well, that can happen with our salvation. The sluggard will always lose eternity. They can put it off until that last second. However, unlike a game in sports, we don't know when we will have that last second. Which is why you have to get that salvation settled today. Number one, the sluggard has low expectations. Number two, the sluggard lacks earnestness. Number three, the sluggard always loses eternity of God. But in closing, the verse says, hey, but the soul of the diligent shall be fat. And I'm not talking about fat like in your belly. I'm not talking about, you know, getting a, a belly. No, no. What Being fat in the spiritual life means that you're going to receive these blessings of God. As long as you're diligent that discipline in your life, then you won't have the, uh, the sluggard life. So I just want to encourage you, don't be a sluggard this week. Uh, be eager. Uh, have high expectations for yourself. And if you don't know if you're saved today, uh, please get that settled. Thank you. You know, in the Christian life, it is so easy to go through motions. And uh, that was a good illustration, Isaac, about the Jenga there. And, uh, but we're, we're not to be built uh, on one another. 
right? It's not how it works. When we're built on one another, that's how the, that's how the tower falls, right, Isaac? When, when we're fitly joined together against the cornerstone, that's who we're all supposed to be attached to, fitly joined together to the cornerstone. And when we're butted up, as he mentioned there, we're butted up together against that cornerstone, that's when we're not so quickly knocked off balance and uh, where, the, where the tower falls. And, and uh, honestly, the Lord's responsible for building his church. He's the one who's going to sustain it, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And so the devil has no power to destroy the church of God. He can't do that. But he can, he can cause us to get our eyes off of the Lord, or, and all, eyes off the Lord and on one another. To look at one another and say, oh man, they fell, I, I can't believe it. Or, or, well, this is what they do, so that's how I'm going to... We pattern our Christian living after other people's lives. We pattern our devotions after other people's lives. We, we pattern our commitment after other people's lives. When it ought to be patterned after the chief cornerstone. And uh, these messages, in a roundabout way, tie together. You will not be in the similitude, as the word was used tonight, in a likeness of the cornerstone without work it's going to take work and as the bible is very so very clear to us draw nigh to me and i will draw nigh to you and we've got to put that process uh, that 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 process we've got to apply it in our lives in order to to get closer to that chief cornerstone and as we get closer to that chief cornerstone our lives become more stable pastor has in the past illustrated for us how how it's it's not you know the christian life there is some of this it happens, but it, it's always on that upward trajectory, right? There, there is, our, our lives are consistent, our, our lives are constantly growing, but the, what we see too often in the Christian life is the deep giant dives, and then we kind of come up for air. When I was about 11, 10, 10 or 11 years old, I was at a friend's house and swimming over the summertime. And they had a great giant pool, and... Um, and, uh, man, that was awesome, but we, we didn't have a pool, and at that point I had no idea about what it was to swim. And, but, you know what, I saw all these little kids going around the edge of the pool, and I thought, man, this is awesome. I can go around this whole pool and walk, and it's no big deal. And so I'm walking around the edge of the pool, not, not thinking twice about it. And I get down, way down far on the other side, and a ball comes flying in. I'm like, oh, cool, a ball. And I go to take a step, whoop, and it was just a ledge around the pool about two feet but i was down in about 10 foot of water and uh and i remember sinking down there and it was like step right off into the deep end and then immediate that panic sets in oh no what have i done i'm and i'm struggling i'm paddling and i don't know what to do and uh, and i get myself up to the surface just enough to get you know the mouth above water taking that deep breath but then i'm back down to the bottom again and i hit bottom i'm like okay just, just kind of hope, man, bounce yourself to the wall. Poof. I hit the bottom and I push myself up as quickly as I can. I get over to that a little closer, but I didn't get far enough. <gasps> and I'm back down into the deep end again. And I am, I'm going I'm to die. I'm going to die. I was drowning. That's how it felt. You know that claustrophobic feeling you get? I'm drowning. That is not supposed to be the Christian life. Never. We're not supposed to be in a condition where it's like, man, if I can just get to church today, I can hit the bottom, I can bounce back up and get through. Now, praise the Lord, that church is here and you can do that, but that, that's not how it ought to be. 
It ought not to be that constant feeling of, of drowning and I'm, I just need to bounce off the bottom and maybe I can get another, grass, uh, another lung full and then I can survive just a little bit longer. The, the Christian life is not about survival. It's about, about prospering. It's about prospering. And that will come if you're fitly joined to the cornerstone. But if you are a sluggard, if you are lazy, if you'll never get those diligent things, the things of diligence established in your life. I can recall and I could tell you story after story where my dad was very stern about being lazy as a child. That's lazy, stop it. That's not how you are to behave. And it, and it was every area of life. Steve, it's taking you 15 minutes to wash out the toilet bowl. You could have been done in three if you just applied yourself. You know, we've all been there with raising our children and how they complicate things. And we complicate things in our laziness. We make the Christian life a lot more difficult than it has to be. And I've, I've been there. I know, I know from experience. I'm preaching from experience. And so let's take to heart what we've heard this evening. Young people, take to heart what you've heard this evening. Yeah, you've had a great run of the summer here and you've heard some tremendous preaching. But don't be lazy with it. Let's not be lazy with it. And let's not just feel that this is just the Christian life. It's just how it is. And I can tell you right now, if, if you are constantly in that motion of just barely hitting bottom and pushing up, there is something that you are doing wrong in your Christian life. I'm, I'm not saying that there's necessarily some big sin, but you're not applying yourself the way that you ought to be. And if you say, yes, I am, then you are calling God a liar because that's not how Christianity is. It's not how it's meant to be. And so something needs to be fixed on your end, not on his. And so you've got to evaluate and check and say, okay, I feel like I'm drowning. I just need to see where am I at with the Lord. Search me, O oh God. Know my heart. Try me. Know my thoughts, I pray. See if there be any wicked way in me. Let me strengthen this. We heard the teenagers talk about prayer. Man, it's so, so true. Prayer and our walk with God. It's so basic. It's so simple. But how many of us just need to rededicate on that tonight? Prayer and a relationship with the Lord. And, uh, and so great, great thoughts tonight. Are you fitly joined to the cornerstone? If not, let's get it in gear. Let's do the work. All right? So let's go ahead and uh, stand, if you would, this evening. Father, we do thank you for tonight. We thank you for the word of God that was opened and, and preached. And Lord, I do pray that you would um, be with us as we um, take to heart the truths that were mentioned. Lord, you, you've done a great work in the hearts of these young people over camp and conference. But Lord, you want to speak to our heart every day. You want us to be fitly joined to you. Lord, I pray that we would be dedicated in our relationship and in our effort to drawing close to you. Lord, I pray that we wouldn't be lazy in our relationship with you. Wouldn't be lazy in our service to you. We wouldn't be lazy in teaching the word of God to our children, those that are around us. Lord, I pray that you would help us to be the, the children of God that we ought to be, that we, ought, uh, that we would be like the chief cornerstone. As the instrument begins to play this evening, if the Lord spoke to your heart, we're going to have a time of invitation. And so if you'd like to come and kneel, these teens have been kneeling at altars all summer. There's nothing uniquely powerful about an altar, except where the individual says, I'm going to humble myself. I'm going to humble myself and I'm going to pray. I'm going to commit to the Lord in a different way. It's where God's people have always done work with Him is at an altar. They've always renewed or committed in a different way at an altar. 
So maybe you've gotten a little lazy in your relationship with the Lord. Maybe you've gotten a little lazy in your prayer life. Maybe you've gotten a little lazy in your service. Maybe you're not as fitly joined to that cornerstone as you ought to be. And if not, fix it. Maybe, as Alex mentioned there at the end, maybe you've been lazy about salvation. Maybe the Lord's been speaking to you for some time now, telling you you need to get your salvation settled. And you excuse it, you fight it, you put it off. There is an appointment that you're going to make one day. It is appointed unto man once to die. But after that, the judgment. Are you ready?